Well, good morning, everyone. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm so glad that you're joining us. However it is that you're joining us today, uh, for those of you that are watching uh, live, those of you that are watching some other time during the week on YouTube, uh, My good, Zach? All right. Uh, yeah, and those of you that are listening to the podcast, uh, super glad that all of you are joining us. Uh, if you were with us for the singing portion, man, Frank and everybody, thank you so much. I just I love being able to worship with you guys, and uh, you'll see more of them. So uh, super excited uh, to have them as a part of our worship today. Uh, so for the last, back since January, we've been talking about this idea of one-on-ones, which is the idea that we want everyone, we think, the best way for you to move forward in your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with loving other people, the best way for you to make a difference in the world, really, the best way for you to make traction on anything is with the help of somebody else who is intentionally doing it with you. And what we want is we want everyone to be in these relationships, and what we introduced last week is that we want everyone to be asking these two questions when you get together with your one-on-one. And the two questions are, what is God telling you to do? And what are you going to do about it? And what I love about those questions is it has the idea that God is telling us something, that, that God is speaking, that God isn't some, one, that God is real, but that God isn't some abstract force that's somewhere out there, you know, and he doesn't really care about our lives. It's not that God created the universe and then he's been doing something else. It's not that God is concerned about bigger, more important things but that God actually cares about your life and that he knows. He knows what you're excited about. He knows what you're stressed about. And he has something that he wants to tell you. Uh, He has something that he wants you to do. He has some advice he wants to give you. He has something that he wants to move you forward with, and he wants you to do something about it. Uh, If you've been with us for a while, this isn't a new thing. We've talked about this on a regular basis. Uh, How we've often asked the question is like this. We've said, who is it that you trust? Uh, What is it that you really like trust most in your life? Uh, And how we've presented it quite a few times is I've done something with like a Simon Says thing. And so sometimes I've even started off the the message by saying, you know, all right, all right, Simon Says stand up. And everyone who's in the room will stand up. Simon Says sit down. Simon Says scratch your head. Simon Says rub your tummy. It's kind of like, who in the world is this Simon figure that just, just by using his name can make us do all of these things? Uh, And the idea is that all of us have somebody in our life or someone that we're approaching, uh, where that we trust whatever they tell us to do. Uh, if you heard the chat earlier, uh, the uh, folks in the chat gave some of their ideas, some of the people that they listen to, that they listen to their advice. Uh, for me, one of those people is mentioned by someone else too, is my mechanic. Uh, I, I don't know all that much about cars. I wish I knew more about cars, uh, but I've had a great mechanic now for over a decade. And, and I bring my car to him, I bring my van to him, bring our truck to him. And it's like, whatever he says. I I really have no idea. You know, this part is disconnected to this part, and this thing's not working anymore. I I don't—whatever you need to do to make it go, you do that. Uh, However much it costs, whatever the, you know, parts you have to get, and uh, whatever—I'm going with whatever you have to say. Uh, And our goal is that we want to get to the point that if we believe that God is speaking— that Jesus, that God, becomes one of those people for us, that we, we just trust him 
100%. Whatever he says, that's what we would do. Uh, And if you hang out, especially around like church world, you'll hear some pretty crazy stories sometimes about people who heard God say something, and then they trusted him, and you're like, that is, that's crazy. Uh, I've told the story before of uh, a good friend of mine, and he felt like God was telling him that he had two 401ks, his wife's and his, and he's like, you know, we don't really need both of those. And so we're, we, he felt like God was telling him to give one away. And you're like, wow, that's, that's crazy. Uh, there's a families in our church who have had stories where God told them, I want you to sell this house, I want you to give some of that money away, and I want you now to uh, move to a different house. Uh, People that have had God say, hey, I I want you to call this family member, this family member that you've been maybe estranged from for years, decades, you know, just this big rift, and I want you to call them, and I want you to offer them forgiveness. And we hear stories like that, and we think, that, well, that, that's amazing. That's really cool that God would speak that clearly and big to someone, and that someone would actually do it. But I think sometimes many of us hear that, and we think, I just, I, I love the idea. It's like inspirational that some people are doing it, but like, I don't know if I could ever trust God that much. I don't know if I could ever get to that point where just like, okay, whatever God says, I, I'm, I'm going to do it no matter what. And so sometimes I think we can walk around like feeling guilt or, or doubt or shame because we feel like, like we're just not like as good of a Christian as what some people might be. And so what I want to talk about today is that the idea of trusting God in this way is not something for most of us that just happens. It's a progression. It's something that happens through a series of next steps. And so to look at that process of how we build that trust with Jesus, we're going to look at a story from the Bible. Uh, We're going to look at a story uh, about a guy named Peter. And this is found in what's often called the Gospels of the Bible. And uh, if you read the Bible, the Bible isn't actually a book. We talk about that. Uh, The Bible is actually a collection of 66 different books. And four of those books tell us the story of Jesus. And In different traditions, they'll refer to it as the gospel according to, which is really a great way to describe it. Because there's these four guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, real people, and they either heard about Jesus in the case of Luke in the stories, or they were eyewitnesses of it. But like any story, if if we were all going to tell the story from this past year, if even the people in your own home were going to tell the story of what quarantine was like, it... There would be similar things that everyone would say, but everyone's looking at it from different perspectives. You know, you would get in my house, you would get, you know, the story of quarantine according to my daughter, uh, the story of quarantine according to my son, the story of quarantine according to my wife. And all of us would, based off of what stuck out to us, might remember and might write down different things. So we have these four people who saw the same things, heard about the same things, but what they wrote down was different. Uh, And that's going to be very important for the story we're going to look at today. Uh, So we're going to start by looking at Mark. So this is Mark chapter 1, and this is how he records this story that happens with this guy named Peter. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, and his name was going to 
later on be changed to Peter. So Simon, Peter, same thing. Simon and his brother Andrew, and those two names are going to be very important, Simon and Andrew, casting a net into a lake, for they were fishermen. That's what they were. Uh, It goes on, it says, Come follow me, Jesus said, and and I will send you out uh, to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. You're like, what? And that's it. That, that's all Mark records. And you read that, and you get this idea that's like, that just like happened like that. I, you know, Jesus is just some dude, you know, walking on the seashore one day in his sandals, and he sees uh, these two brothers, uh, Simon and Andrew. He's never seen them before, and he asks them this big question, hey, will you drop everything and follow me? And without hesitation, they're like, oh yeah, at, at once we're going to follow you, and that's the end of the story. And some of us might hear that and think, that's, that's amazing, that's inspirational, like, I wish I had that kind of faith where I could just follow God like that. But many of us are like, I, I mean, who would do that? <laughs> I mean, it, who, they just like saw Jesus for the very first time, just introduced to him, you know, would leave their job and follow him, would leave their family, would leave their hometown. You know, who could have that kind of blind trust? that kind of blind faith, and would that kind of blind faith and trust even be wise? I mean, it almost seems reckless. I mean, if someone told you that that's what they did, that I, I just quit my job today because I just heard about this thing. I just, it was the very, you know, entry point. It's a part of it that almost seems weird and crazy. And if that's the way it seems to you, then I have very good news, because there's actually more to the story than this. Uh, that's how Mark, uh, uh, how Peter remembered the story, but there's actually more to it. Uh, so now we're going to go to uh, the book of John. So this is how John records his. And, and John, he starts his uh, according to the gospel, not with Jesus, but with another John. So it's John writing this, the disciple John. And then there's another guy, uh, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was this incredibly charismatic guy uh, who was right before Jesus and uh, kind of a parallel to Jesus in some ways. And a big question going on in Jesus' day when he came on the scene was this idea of the Messiah. Uh, Because when Jesus came on the scene, he was coming into a nation of Israel that was just in really, really tough times. Uh, For the last 400 plus years, just nothing was going right for them. Nothing was going right socially. Nothing was going right politically. Nothing was going right economically. It was just really really tough times to be a Jewish person, to be an Israelite uh, when Jesus came on the scene. And a big question was, when is the Messiah going to come? Because when the Messiah comes, he's going to be a savior. He's going to save us politically, some people thought. He's going to save us economically, some people thought. And all these different expectations of what the Messiah would be. But everyone was hoping, waiting for the Messiah. And John was this really interesting guy who some people thought maybe he could be Uh, the Messiah. Uh, So some people asked him about it one day. They said, hey, are you the Messiah? And this is what John said. Flip to the next one there. Uh, So the next day, John was there again, and two of his disciples, oh, I I, I missed the last one. Sorry about that. So they asked John, are you the Messiah? Messiah said no. And then said, now this was uh, uh, John the Baptist's testimony. Uh, Sorry, there you go. I am not the Messiah. Reading on a TV is hard. I'm getting it. We'll get it. All right, so they asked John, are you the Messiah? John says, no, I'm not the Messiah. And then the next day, 
John was there again with two of his disciples. And that's going to be important who at least one of these two disciples is that's following John. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And so John said, I'm not the Messiah. But then one day Jesus walking by and he proclaims to these two guys that are listening, hey, that guy, Jesus, I, I think he is the Lamb of God, which is another term for Messiah. Uh, it goes on. Uh, it says, Andrew, so these are the same guys who are by the lake that day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two that heard what John had said and who would follow Jesus. So one of those guys who was there with John the Baptist, heard Jesus, uh, heard uh, John make this declaration about Jesus, was Andrew. And this is what he did. Uh, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. So this is all kinds of new information that Mark didn't give us. This is way before that day on the lake. How the whole thing started, according to John, was that before they were there, before they ever started to follow Jesus, Andrew heard somebody that he trusted. He heard somebody, John the Baptist, say, hey, that guy right there, that is the Messiah. And Andrew believed. Andrew was curious. You know, somehow Andrew was somehow on board. And then Andrew went and told his brother Simon, Peter, about it and said, hey, I want you to come check it out. And that's where it started for Peter. Is he was just invited by a guy he trusted who heard from another guy he trusted that, hey, I want you to go check out this guy that we think maybe could be the Messiah. And I love that because for some of you, that's exactly where you're at today. Is he, you're not sure about this whole Jesus thing. You're not sure about the Bible thing. All you know is that you were invited by somebody. You were invited to, to watch today. You were invited to maybe come to church a couple months ago or years ago, whenever it was. And you were invited by someone who believed that Jesus was the real deal, or they were at least, you know, thought maybe. And, and the only reason why you're watching today is not because you are totally a Christian, because you totally believe, but because you accepted the invitation of somebody else who they believed, or they were somewhere in the process. And if you took that step to accept that invitation, then you have made a huge step forward. Uh, there's more to the story. Uh, so now we're going to go to the gospel according to Luke. Uh, and so now it says Jesus left the synagogue and he went to the home of Simon. Uh, so there's a lot in here that we don't know because they're just writing down different parts that they remember. But there's, there's no way they could write everything that happened. And so somewhere between this invitation of when Simon was first introduced to Jesus, Peter and Jesus became friends or acquaintances or like enough where like Simon knew where uh, Jesus knew where Simon's home was. Uh, now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. So there was a, a big problem uh, going on. And so this is what Peter did. And so they asked Jesus to help her. This is where Peter was at this point in his journey. Again, we wasn't a follower of Jesus. You know, we don't know what he believed about Jesus, whether he was the Messiah or not. What Peter knew is, I, I got a problem. I have someone in my life who's sick, and I, 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 there's nothing I can do about it myself. And so maybe this guy can help, and I'm willing to ask you for help. Which is the way it works a lot of times. There's sayings of like, you know, like, desperate times call for desperate, uh, desperate measures. Uh, or the idea that there's no atheist in a foxhole. Uh, or uh, my personal favorite, uh, this comes from the 
theologically very deep movie that maybe some of you have seen, uh, Talladega Nights. And so in the movie uh, Talladega Nights, uh, there's a moment where uh, Ricky Bobby catches on fire and he's running around the track and he starts to just pray to whoever he could possibly ask, ask for help for because that's the way that it often works is that if you have an issue that you don't know what to do with, like, why not pray? Well, why not ask for help? Why not see if maybe if there's something out there, maybe that thing could help? Uh, some of us have experienced this. I remember right after 9-11, uh, there was like this huge uptake of lots of people who weren't interested in church before. Now we're like flooding into churches. Uh, or last year around this time, at the beginning of the pandemic, People who weren't interested in church, like it just, it felt like there was something so big and so out of control that like people start to look for a little bit of help, even if they're not sure totally what they believe. And maybe that's where you're at today. The idea that I'm going to ask for help, not because I totally believe yet, but just because I'm, I'm so desperate for help that I'm willing to ask for help. And maybe I have enough hope that that prayer could be answered. Uh, and then uh, it goes on in Luke. And so now we're in Luke chapter 4, and we're going to turn to Luke chapter 5. And here's what it says in uh, Luke chapter 5. It says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is another name for the Sea of Galilee, so finally now they have made it to that day at the sea. This is after, you know, Peter had this thing where he was invited by his brother to come check it out. After him and Jesus got to know each other a little bit. Uh, after Simon had this thing where he asked Jesus for help and then uh, uh, Jesus answered that prayer. Now they're finally at the lake of Gennesaret. And the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And that's, that's new information that Mark didn't give us either. So it's not just that Jesus was walking by, strolling by one day, but Jesus was there teaching. And Peter was one of the guys who was there listening, just taking in information. And that's a, that's a real big deal. Uh, with me, that's a real big deal for our, our whole church and our idea for the last seven years. Is that so many times, church can be thought of as like, church is a gathering of people who already believe. And if you were to pop into most churches, if you were to, you know, see, you know, who's watching online any given week, it's people who are already following Jesus, who have already made up their minds. And we wanted to create an environment where people who weren't sure yet, people who just had questions and doubts, were curious, could sit and listen way before they ever decided whether they believed or not. Uh, one of my Favorite stories of that, uh, early on in the life of our church, we had a community group that me was meeting in our house, and we were discussing these uh, different ideas about Jesus. And we would take turns each week who was going to lead the lesson. Uh, and there was a woman in our group, and it was her turn to lead the lesson, and she wasn't a Christian yet. And so she started off her lesson by saying, hey, just so you know, everything I'm about to present I think is a bunch of baloney. Uh, except for she didn't use the word baloney, but you get the idea. Uh, she says, I, I think this is all just kind of made up, but— I'm supposed to present today, so I'm going to present it anyways. And I thought that was awesome. Uh, not because it, she thought it was all baloney necessarily, but because even though she wasn't sure yet, she was still willing to be a part. She was still willing to listen. And maybe that's the step that some of you have taken. Where you're watching today, and you're listening, and you're gaining information, and you, there's a lot you don't know yet, you're not sure if you believe yet, but you're willing to sit and listen. That's a big step. Uh, and then Peter would take uh, another step next. <clears throat> said he saw at the water's edge 
two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. So there's these fishermen that are there, and they're washing their nets. We'll talk about that more in a second. Uh, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, because he kind of knew Simon a little bit, and he asked him to put out a little from shore, and then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So now they're at the point in this relationship where Jesus is going to ask Peter not to become a Christian, not to, like, you know, leave his life of sin, you know, not to do some big crazy thing. He's just asking him, hey, can I borrow your boat so I can get out from shore a little bit? Uh, the water would work. It's kind of a natural amplifier. You know, can you do this small favor for me? Again, I, I love that idea. Uh, one of the things that is true about our church since we began is that not only can you sit and listen without believing yet, it, you can participate. Uh, any given week, when we were doing normal, you know, services where people were coming to the building, the person who greeted you at the door, the person who made your coffee, uh, the person who was maybe on stage even as a part of the band, might be someone who was curious about Jesus, listening about Jesus, but maybe they hadn't made that full commitment to follow Jesus yet, but they were willing to do Jesus like a favor. Yeah, if, if you need, you know, someone to stand at the door, I, I could do that. You need someone to, like, help play in the band? Man, maybe I could do that. Uh, or especially, we would do a lot of things where, like, we would do summer movie nights, uh, or we would do these big serving festivals, or we would try to get lots of people to volunteer. And a lot of the people that were participating wouldn't call themselves Christians yet, but they were willing to help out. They were willing to, yeah, I think that there's enough good here, even if I'm not sure if I believe it all. There's enough good here, I'm willing to help out. I'm willing to even, like, put my reputation on the line a little bit to say, like, you know, like, hey, that, isn't that Peter's boat that that guy's in? I guess Peter, maybe he's a part of this thing a little bit, you know? Like, hey, isn't that, you know, so-and-so that's helping out with that movie night and they're associated with that church? Yeah, and maybe they don't believe it all yet, but they're willing to do this small favor. And what I love about all of these steps is all the things that Peter has done so far. Peter has been invited uh, not necessarily a Christian yet, not a believer yet. Uh, he has asked Jesus for help. You know, hey, can you answer this prayer? Can you help my sick family member? Uh, he has sat and he has listened, and he has let Jesus use his boat. And this is all before he ever said yes to following Jesus, way before he ever became like a disciple follower of Jesus. And now we're going to get to the point in the story where now Jesus is going to ask him a bigger question. Uh, see, that's, that's what we're talking about, is we want you to have these times in your one-on-one -on -one where you're asking that question, what is God saying to you? And every once in a while, God will ask you something pretty big. God will tell you something pretty big. And this is Peter's first experience that with Jesus going to ask him to do something that's pretty big, pretty crazy, pretty countercultural. This is what it said. It said, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, there was a couple big problems with this that would have been readily apparent 2,000 years ago if you knew about fishing. Uh, maybe it's still true if you know about fishing. The first thing was that uh, Jesus is asking Simon, hey, let's go out and go fishing. But he's asking him to do it, one, in the middle of the day. 
And I, I'm not a big fisherman. I've fished a few times in my life. But what I know about the fishermen of my life is they are all crazy. And they only go fishing in like the wee crazy hours of the morning. Like they'll wake up at 3 a.m. so that way they can be on the water by 5 a.m. And they're out there. I mean, just, they have to be out there early because when you fish is when it's dark out, when it's cool out. And there's kind of a whole deal to that. And now it's the middle of the day. The sun's way up. It's going to be really hard to catch fish. And Jesus is asking them to do something that would have been crazy. Uh, the other thing is that what we learned earlier uh, is that where Peter and Andrew were as they're listening to Jesus is they were washing their nets. And the reason they were washing their nets is because they were already done fishing for the day. That was how it worked is you'd go out and you'd drag these big nets and you'd bring them in. And then after you brought them in, there was a whole process where you had to you know, get all the, the seaweed and old sunglasses and old beer cans out of the, out of the nets. And you have to dry them out. It was this whole process. And they'd already gone through fishing all night, getting everything cleaned up. You know, everything was already over. Now it's going to be this huge inconvenience to go and go backwards on that process. But maybe the biggest thing that would have been a risk uh, for Peter and his brother Andrew that day, uh, is this. He said, Simon answered, Master, we've been working hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. Hey, hey Jesus, you got to understand. We already fished all night long, and last night was not a good night. We didn't catch a thing. And in that day, in an economy that, you know, no refrigeration, no, you know, a, a, a very poor society that would have been very paycheck to paycheck, if they went one night and didn't get any fish, that was bad. If they went two nights without getting a catch, it could be devastating to their family business, to their own health, to so many different things. So we're saying, hey, we've already cleaned up for the day. We're tired. We were up all night. And so if we go out in the middle of the day with you, for sure we're not going to catch anything. We know how fishing works. And if we go out all day, then we're not going to be ready to go out again at night. And so we might not catch anything again. Jesus, this plan you have is just, it's, it's, let me tell you, from my personal experience, it is not going to go well. And that's why this ask is so big. Because there's times for, for Peter in this case, there's times for every single one of us where Jesus will ask us to do something that seems like it doesn't make sense. Where Jesus will ask us to do something that just seems like it's countercultural. That just seems upside down from the way we know things are supposed to work. Uh, maybe for you, that's Jesus asking you to take a Sabbath and to take a day off. And I mean, you, you look at your calendar, you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago, and you're like, okay, with everything I have going on, it makes zero sense for me to take a whole day where I don't get anything done where I don't try to catch up on some projects, where I need to focus on my schoolwork just a little bit. Like, hey, Jesus, if you knew how much I would have to get done, then you would say, okay, that is ridiculous to ask me to take a whole day off. But maybe that's what Jesus is asking you to do. Or maybe it's finances. And again, you're looking at all the things you need to pay for, and you, you have your debt, and you have these things you're trying to get down on your house. And then Jesus says, I want you to give this amount of money. And if Jesus asks you to give an amount of money, it's usually not just like 10, 20 bucks. It's usually like a percentage of your income. Maybe it's a percentage of that stimulus check that you're going to get or you've already gotten. And you think, like, I, with everything, I, my financial picture does not make sense already, even with this money. And now if I'm giving some of that money away, that makes no sense. 
If you want me to call that person and ask them for forgiveness, if you want me to live my sexual life in that way, like it just, that's not how everyone else do, does it. That's not how I do it. Like it doesn't make sense. And that was what Peter was looking at that day. But this wasn't a first-time deal. This wasn't Peter's first rodeo. Peter didn't just walk into the situation blind. Peter had already been invited by someone that he trusted. And he had the suspicion in his mind that at least, at least my brother thinks this guy could be the Messiah. Maybe he could. He'd already had this experience where he prayed and he'd seen God answer a supernatural prayer. He'd already sat and listened to these things that Jesus was going to do. Uh, he'd already done this small favor of letting Jesus borrow his boat. And so here's what Peter said. The Simon answered, uh, Master, we've been up all night, but because you say so. Not because I think it's a good idea, not because I think it's going to work, but just because I, of what I've experienced from you so far, I'm willing to give this one thing a shot, and I will go and let my nets down. And then if you know the story, something uh, amazing happened. It worked. When they uh, had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their numbers began to break. And, and maybe that's where some of you guys are at. Where may, you have tried this big countercultural ask, and you, know, you took the financial peace class, and you've been trying to live in this way, and you're like, holy cow, God's way works. Uh, or you, maybe you took emotionally healthy spirituality, and you've been taking that daily office time, and you've been taking that Sabbath time, and you're like, oh, I, I, I can actually get, I'm more productive when I do what God tells me to do. Or maybe you took that, you know, relational advice or sexual advice or whatever it might be, and you're like, man, God's way actually works. Turns out this God thing actually knows what he's talking about. Uh, and then Peter's going to have uh, his uh, next issue uh, with Jesus. So it says, because when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord, because I am a sinful man. Up until this point, Peter saw Jesus as just like, I don't, you're a maybe, you're, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're a Messiah, maybe, maybe you're a bigger deal. But in that moment, he had this realization of, you are a way bigger deal than I was initially thinking. You actually might be the Messiah. Maybe you're the Son of God. Maybe you are way, and all of a sudden, he saw Jesus in this way of just holiness, of perfection, of just amazing wonder. And something amazing happens when you're all of a sudden you get that glimpse of someone who's like that far better than you, you start to see yourself. And you start to see how flawed you are. And you're like, why is this guy even talking to me? Like if this guy knew like what I, the stuff I think about, this guy knew the stuff that I have done, he, he, he would want me to go away. There is no way he would want me to follow. There's no way that this guy would want me around. And maybe that's where some of you are. Is you followed Jesus just enough to have this idea that I think Jesus might actually be who he said he is. But if, that, if he is who he says he is, why would he ever want to bother with somebody like me? When we, with how destructive I, I am. Mean, why would he want me to serve in church? You know, why would he want me to be in a one-on-one with someone else? Why would he want me to lead it? Oh, how would Jesus possibly use somebody like me? And that's why we take communion every single week. It's because we want to remember that God absolutely knows everything about Peter, and he knows everything about me, and he knows everything about you. He knows all the things you've thought about. He knows what addictions you struggle with. 
He knows the things that you did last night, the things you did this morning. He knows the things that you'll do. He knows that you could do the worst thing possible. You could nail his son to the cross. And he would still forgive you. And he would still love you. And that was a lesson that Peter would learn a little bit this day. And he would continue to learn for the rest of his life. And it's a lesson that we all need to remember every single week. That we are as holy and awesome and worthy as Jesus is. He tells us that we are worthy to serve him and to follow him. Uh, So let's remember that as we take uh, communion. Take the bread. Let's take the juice. And Peter, I think, got that rush of forgiveness and love in that moment of that Jesus wants to use somebody like me. And this is what Jesus said. He said, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't think of yourself as like you need to be scared of me. That, that I'm somehow displeased with you. Some of us have this picture that God is like waving his hey, If he knew what I was really about, then he would just be so mad. Don't be afraid. From now on, you, Peter, with all your stuff, all your disbelief, you will fish for people. So then, then finally, we finally get to where Mark ended his story, started his story, really. So they pulled their boats up on shore, and they left everything and followed him. But it didn't just happen. It wasn't just like, okay, that's the first thing I'm going to do. It came after this huge, long process of after he had been invited, of after he had asked God to help him in this way, after he had experienced all these other things. Uh, So what do we want you to talk about today? Maybe with your one-on-one or later this week whenever you meet. Where are you at in this process? In your process of trusting Jesus. Uh, are you to the point where someone has invited you? And maybe if you're watching, you've probably accepted that invitation, but maybe it's just that what God is calling you to do is like accept the invitation again. Come back again next week. Maybe come be a part of a small group. And just would you be willing to listen to what God is telling you to accept that invitation? Uh, or maybe it's there's something in your life and you're like, I, I, I've never even really prayed before, but like, can I, you know, that person who has cancer in my life, that thing with my job, that, that issue that I feel like I don't know what to do about, would you be willing to ask God for help? Maybe it's just sitting and listening. Just continue to, you know, podcast, books, you know, s- sermons online. There's so many great, wonderful things. Would you be willing just to, even if you don't believe everything yet, just to keep listening? Or maybe you need to do a small favor. Maybe God's asking you to contribute just a little bit. You know, it's not, you know, huge, big commitment, but just use a little bit of your talent, a little bit of your reputation. Uh, or maybe some of you are at this cool point where God's asking you to do this kind of big countercultural thing. He's asking you to do something with your time or your money or a relationship that is something you would never do otherwise. If it wasn't for Jesus asking you to do it, you would never do it. But maybe God is calling you to do it and you need to do it. Uh, or maybe it's believing in God's love and grace. You need to believe that like You need to stop dumping on yourself all the time because God loves you. God thinks you're worthy. And so you need to see yourself through God's eyes. Uh, Or maybe it's that you're at the point where, you know what? I'm willing to start following Jesus. I'm going to start trying to listen to 100% of the things that he tells me to do. 
And of course, if you know the story of the rest of Peter, Peter starts following him at this day, but it's still an up and down journey for Peter. Uh, he has some pretty good spots and he has some really bad spots in the coming years, and that's the way it's going to be for all of us. But he made a commitment that he was going to follow, he was going to commit his life to listening to what God has to say and then trying to do it. And we would love for all of you to get to that point too. But it's going to be a process. And so wherever you're at in the process, take the next step. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you for the example of Peter and the, the process. And that's just so reassuring to me because I feel like so many times I feels like there's this like spiritual mark out there that maybe some people were at. And it's just like, ah, when am I going to get there? But it doesn't just happen. It takes steps and process and a series of saying yes to different requests. And I pray that you help us all to do that today. Let me pray. Amen. Amen. So we're so grateful that uh, all of you joined us today. Uh, we hope that it was helpful. Um, the sermon, I, I believe, was really, really excellent. And uh, the hope is that we'll be able to take everything we learn and, and actually apply it in our lives. And so the hope is that as we do these things together, we can grow together uh, as well. And so there's a couple different ways that we'd like to help all of, all of us to take the next step, as John just mentioned, in our lives and our walk with Jesus. Uh, so we have the uh, Next Step email that comes out and as well as the Connect card. Uh, the Next Step email, uh, if you're already signed up to receive emails, you'll be receiving that around 1 o'clock. Uh, if not, then you can get that uh, on uh, the Facebook uh, group. But uh, it's just a way for, to con connect with uh, this topic and just have some uh, questions, some prayers, some activities to do that will help to kind of take what we've learned and begin to apply it in, in our daily lives. Um, also, there, uh, as I said, is the Connect card. The Connect card is a way for you to communicate with us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you if you have any uh, next steps, revelations, things that you've realized after this service. Uh, we'd love to hear from you so we can uh, pray for you, so we can be and walk alongside of you. Um, like I said, the church is, is not a building. Uh, it's a group of people. And we're a group of people that try to really live out what Jesus talked about, about loving each other. And so if you have anything going on, is there anything you need prayer for, please, please reach out. Uh, we'd love to walk alongside you. And we just pray that you guys have a great week. We love you and see you next time.